Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Let's begin the bottom line of Memvavma Beis. Vateitseno shtein dubim min hayar vativakano mehem arbaim ushnaim ilodim. This is a tragedy. You have some youths that were mocking Elisha, the prophet, calling him a baldy, and he cursed them. And two bears came out and ripped them apart. Forty-two children came out from the forest and ripped them apart after Elisha cursed them in the name of God. Top of Memzayin Amalav. Rav Ushmo. Hadamar Neis. Hadamar Neis Besoch Neis. There's a machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. One says this was a miracle. One says this was a miracle within a miracle. Man Amar Neis. Yar Havidubim Lohavu. One who says it was a miracle says there was a forest there, but it did not have bears. It was a miracle that these bears came out of the forest. According to the opinion that it was a miracle within a miracle, so there was neither a forest there nor were there bears there. And in order to fulfill this curse, a miraculous forest appeared and miraculous bears in the forest to bring about this Retribution. The havidubim below the haviyar. The general rule: God doesn't make miracles for nothing. So why would He do that? If there was a forest there, naturally, fine. That's not going to be the agent of retribution. So there's a miracle that bears came out. But if the forest and the bears are a miracle. So just make bears as, as a miracle. Why else make a forest? It'd be easy. Because they are timid. The nature of the bears, if they're not on their home turf or near their home turf, is to be timid. And in order to have them be aggressive, they needed to have a home turf. So they have their forest there, they're in their habitat, and therefore they've got the uh, home Home team advantage. They're able to uh, to go out and make this attack. Let's see Rashi. Why was there need for this forest that was miraculous? The The bears were timid. This garros to attack these 42 youths. They need a place that's nearby to flee. Starting up with a big group. And in order to do so, they need to have their forest nearby. To hide in. When they're next to their forest, they're willing to go out 
in a show of strength, security, they are ready to go and attack. So it was necessary, even according to the opinion that was nace, the self nace, it was a miracle within a miracle. The forest was a needed component for the bears to become aggressive. Alma Rebbe Hanina. Bishvil Arboim Ushnaim Korbanos. Shehikriv Balak Melech Moab. Hovku Misrael Arboim Ushnaim Yeladim. Rebbe Hanina says that on account of the 42 offerings that Balak, the king of Moab, brought, did these 42 youths from the Jewish people become split open. Was, this tragedy was a result of that overture. Balak, many, many years earlier, way before Elisha, when the Jews were in the desert, he sacrificed 42 sacrifices, seeking a curse against the Jewish people. Bilam tried, didn't succeed. <coughs> but on account of these 42 offerings, 42 youths from the Jewish people were casualties. Obviously, they deserved it on their own. They, they did their own wrongdoing. But still, this tragedy was his uh, was a reward, if you will, on some level, for what he did. Any is that the case? But Amar Rav Yehuda Marav, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, the Olam Yasak Adam Torah of Mitzvos, a person should always toil in Torah and Mitzvos. Divine wisdom, fulfilling his commands. even though he is doing so, not for its own sake. Even if he has ulterior motives that are helping him towards the path of Torah mitzvahs, nonetheless, as long as he understands the goal, and he's just using these side factors as motivating agents, so it's a good idea. For in reward for the 42 offerings, that Balak, the king of Moab, brought, as a reward for that, he had a very special descendant, Ruth. Mm-hmm. And further, what came forth from him was King Solomon. Concerning Solomon, it says that he brought a thousand elevation offerings. So, this is already with interest. He brought 42. And he's got an anacle, Shlomo HaMelech, that's being makrif, a thousand elevation offerings. So that's l'chera v'schar. That's the schar. That's the reward. Not these 42 casualties. And Rabbi Yossi, the son of Choni, said, Rus, the daughter of Eglon, who was in turn the son of Balak. Hmm. Nonetheless, his desire was for the curse. 
So his reward, his actual reward, was the good. The good that came forth from these offerings was that he had a descendant who brought forth a thousand offerings. But there's also a result of what he did, which fulfilled his will, even though it's hard to call it a reward in a strict sense. It's tragic. But his desire was for curse, and through the offerings that he brought, Elisha cursed and brought about this tragedy, 42 lads from the Jewish people. So it's, it is a result. Interestingly, we, we don't say that and that it's unrelated. Rus is a convert, although she's called a Mobitis in Miguel's Rus. But after she's a Gioris, so she's a Jewish lady, she's no longer related by pedigree to her father or grandfather. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe his great grandfather, great great grandfather, whatever the Deris are, Tosos is omen on it. Not related to Eglon or to Balak, which that also is a Dion. Right? Balak is really not from Moab. That also throws a monkey wrench into this equation. Hmm. The Rus, the whole controversy of Rus being from Moab. Setting that aside, she does not have Yichus. And yet, Balak gets a reward. For Shlomo HaMelech, it's considered a future consequence of this present action that he did. He brought these offerings. His great-great-great-grandson, biologically, although halachically, there's no yichus, nonetheless it is meyuchas achrov, this schar. He is considered a causative factor contributing to this result of King Solomon's offerings. And the men of the city said to Elisha, People of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the dwelling of the city is good as our master sees. The continuation of the verse, and the waters are bad, and the land causes miscarriage. So then what's so good about this, this place of the city? It seems like a terrible place. Bad waters causing miscarriages. Rabbi Hanan says, we derive from this, that there is a certain grace of a locale, upon those that dwell there. People like where they live. Am Rabbi Yochanan, Shlosha Chenosheim, there are three types of grace that are of the same caliber. Chen Mokom Al Yoshua, the grace of the locale for those that dwell there. 
Chen Isha Laila, the grace of a woman, upon her husband, Chen Mekach Al Mekho, the grace of an acquisition upon the one who purchased it. Alokho, the Aruch says. Chen Mekach Alokho. Three different types of grace that all share this feature that even if there are objective problems, nonetheless, there's an element of grace by all three. Let's see, Rashi. Rus, Shiatsumena Davidu Shlomo, Shehibu Lahakriv Kabanos. Rashi adds in David Melech, and David also brought a lot of offerings. This was his true reward. Bollock's true reward. His desire, his intent was to reduce the Jewish people when he hired Bilam to bring about a curse. And that will was fulfilled in this episode with Elisha. Elmai Tivusei. The story with the people describing their city as a good place, in spite of these problems, what is the good thing? What's the good thing of the place? Since the waters were bad and the land brought about miscarriage, what was so great about it? There is a grace that the locale has for those that dwell there, even if it's a bad place, near Lehem Tov, it appears to them good. People like where they live. Chain Ha'isha, the grace of a woman, Tamin Al-Baila, always she finds grace in her husband's eyes. Afilu Nosas even if she's really ugly, still, she finds grace in his eyes. Tanarabana. Shlosha chaloin chala Elisha. Our sages taught three illnesses befell Elisha. Echad shegira dubim bitinokos. One, on account of the bears that he incited against these youths. The echad, here they're called tinokos. Pasuk calls them yeladim. Perhaps they are painted in a in a more innocent manner. Tinokos. When we are looking at the retribution that Elisha suffered because of this arousing of retribution for them. Elisha also became sick because he pushed away Gehazi, his attendant with two hands, and one illness from which he died, as the verse states, and Elisha became ill with the illness that he died from. Rashi, considered a transgression that Elisha incited these bears against these children. Chala, 
Had es polio. The, the Gemara is darshaning three separate illnesses from the fact that it says chola is once. Es cholio tre, the illness, he became ill with the illness. Vechad and the third illness that he shall die from, that he died from, there seem to be three illnesses. Our sage is taught, as a rule, the left hand should push away as the right hand brings close. The symbolism of the left is the weaker hand, and the right hand is a symbol of strength. So the balance between pushing away and bringing close should be in favor of bringing close. In contrast to the actions of Elisha, that he pushed away Gehazi with two hands. And also not like Yeshua ben Prachio, that he pushed aside one of his Talmidim, one of his students, with two hands. The censor, the censor took out what we have in Tfusiyad, the Yeshu Hanotri, the Jesus the Nazarene, the student of Yeshua ben Prachio. The Gemara says, which Jesus, there seem to have been perhaps multiple contenders. Hmm. Well, only one guy could have a Jesus complex. Hmm. But uh, in any event, the one who was a student of Yeshua ben Prachio was pushed aside by two hands, and the Gemara is critiquing Yeshua ben Prachio for this. Elisha Mayi. What is the story with Elisha? Pushing aside Gehazi with two hands. Dilsiv, as is written, Vayomer Naamon, Hoel Kach Kikarim. Naamon said, was the general of Aram, was healed by Elisha from his tsaras, his leprosy, simply by immersing himself in the Jordan. It was miraculous. And Naaman wanted to give some compensation, some expression of his appreciation. Elisha did not want to accept anything. He wanted to just be pure Kiddush Hashem. But Gehazi, he had pockets. So he took. What did Elisha respond? Is it a time to take silver? Elisha is critiquing Gehazi. And to take garments, bezesim and olives, uchramim and vineyards, bitzon and flocks, wakar and cattle, vavadim and servants, maidservants. Elisha is really 
magnifying what Gechazi did. Did Gechazi really take all that? He took silver and he took clothing. What is the backdrop, the context? At that time, Elisha was working on the sugya of Shemana Shratzen. So there are eight Shratzen, eight types of impure creatures that transmit impurity. So Elisha said to Gechazi, has the time come for you to take the reward for that which we are working on? The eight Shratzim. So he enumerated eight things, not that Gechazi actually took all these things. Tzaras Namon Tidbak Bacho Uvezaracho Leolam and he cursed, Elisha cursed Gechazi, that the tsaras, this leprosy affliction, that was removed from Naaman, should cling to him and his descendants forever. Mm-hmm. And we find later in Malachim Beis, there are four men who were Mitzrayim, um, Rabbi, Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan identifies these four as Gechazi and his three sons. And Elisha went to Damascus. Why did he go? He went to try and help Gechazi do tshuva to return. But Gechazi did not do tshuva. Amarlo. Elisha encouraged him, do tshuva. But Gechazi responded, this is what I have received from you. Call me, anyone who sins and entices the community to sin, he is not afforded the opportunity to return, to do tshuva. My Ovid, what did he do? How is he Machtes Harabim? What did Gechazi do wrong? Ikadamri Evan Shu'avas Talalo Machatas Yerovim. Some say that he placed magnets that suspended the idol of Yerovim, the Mido Ben Shamaim Laaretz, in a manner that it was in suspension between the heavens and the earth, which gave it some clout, some credence. People thought, wow, look at this floating idol. Must be really special. Let's worship it. Some say that he engraved the divine name on its mouth. And this idol was saying forth, I am Lord your God, and you shall not have any other gods. The idol was saying this. So that got people's attention also. The Gechazi was a troublemaker either way. It caused others to sin. V'yikadamri, a third interpretation, Rabbanon Dacha Mekameh. 
might sound like small potatoes compared to the first two, but apparently it's considered in the same league. He pushed away the Rabbanon from coming before Elisha. Hmm. He was the bottleneck. He may have been Elisha's attendant, but he prevented people from accessing him. You'll see, as is written in the subsequent verse, the place that we are standing, that, that we are before you, sitting, is too tight. They didn't have enough room. The implication is, until that point, there was plenty of room. So that's right before this tragedy with Gehazi. After Gehazi is out of the picture, suddenly there's no room by Elisha. So implicitly, the third opinion, is that Gehazi was instrumental in pushing people away. And that was his Mahti Esarabim, by preventing them from coming to learn Taraf by Elisha. So that's the story of how Elisha was doche gechazi, pushed him aside with two hands. Even though he went after him to help him, to try and help him to tshuva, still, the initial reaction was very harsh, the curse, and in the meantime, gechazi, at least according to the first opinions, got involved with some serious other crimes. According to the third opinion, they were crimes that were enacted before. Al-Kopanim, he was not amenable to tshuva. Yesh Lahakshos, there's an important question here we can ask, is that what Elisha taught him is correct. We don't back off of that teaching. If he was Mahdiya Sarabin, he was a stumbling block for the community, enticed them to sin one way or another. So that's why he was not fully empowered to do Teshuva, given the Siyatr Shmaya to do Teshuva. Why is Elisha being faulted here? We're pushing him aside with two hands. Bifrat, especially if you learn the third way, that the Mahdi Sarabim was from before, not something he did afterwards. It's a pellet. Let's take a look at the next Misa, which is, was brought before also of Yeshua ben Prachia that pushed aside one of his students, which is identified as Yeshu Hanozri. Yeshu ben Prachio, Mai, what's the story with Yeshu ben Prachio? They have a kotel Yanai Malko, the Rabbanon, when Yanai, the king, killed the sages, very uh, tough period, Shimon ben Shetach at Minu Achte. Shimon ben Shetach was hidden by his sister, who was Yanni's wife, 
Rabbi Shobin Prachya also Arak Alexandria Shamitrayim. But Rabbi Shobin Prachya fled to Alexandria. He had Shalmo, but when peace was restored, Shalach lay Shimon Meshetach. So Shimon Meshetach, who stayed in hiding and was brought out when peace was restored, sent a message. Mini Yushalayim, Irakodesh, Chalachsandria, Shalmitrayim, from me in Jerusalem, the holy city, to you, Alexandria of Egypt. Achosi Bali Shari Besochech, my sister, meaning from Jerusalem to Alexandria, my, my husband is dwelling in your midst. Vani Yosheves Shamemon, I'm dwelling in desolation. Meaning it was a a hidden message to a degree that Shema Manshatach is sending to Rabbi Shubham Prakya that Jerusalem is in desolation without the presence of Rabbi Shubham Prakya. So Rabbi Shubham Prakya said, I see from here, can derive and understand that peace has been restored in Jerusalem. He also, when he returned, so on the travel between Egypt back to Jerusalem, he stayed by a certain innkeeper. Come, come, my bikra. And he was hosted with great honor. Shafir of the lady bikra, Tuva. He also, come, Mishtabech, Kamano, Achsanizo. And in response to this very generous hosting. He praised the host. They honored him greatly. Rashi says, Zoyatav Masa. This one is a beautiful deed. Again, here it's removed which one of the students by the Christian censors that didn't particularly like the story being told about the one that they identified as their uh, God. Yeah. So, one of his students came up and said, Rebbe, Enetrutos. Rebbe, her eyes, Rashi says, Agulos, are round. You're saying she's beautiful, but her eyes are round. Amalei Rosha Kachata Osik. said, wicked one. That's what you're busy with. The stack of Ashes Ishra, she says, you're looking at a married woman. Saying that her eyes are round. That she's not so pretty. He wasn't talking about her beauty at all. He was talking about the greatness of her deeds. He took out 400 shofras and blasted him. He, he put him in excommunication. Every day, the student would come before Rabbi Shobhan Prachya to try and be restored and he was not received. Yomacha Avakari Kriyashma. One day Rabbi Shobhan Prachya was reading Kriyashma saying over in the midst of Kriyashma also came and the student came before him and his intention was to receive him and say okay fine be restored. And he was 
putting up his hand in order to say Krishna as the universal custom, in order to focus on Krishna, we block out any other potential distraction. We cover our eyes and saying Krishna. Sava mechadachile. But this student thought he was being pushed aside. He thought that this bringing up of his hand was for that purpose. So what did the student do? He gave up hope of being restored. And he stood up a brick to be bad to. So he decided, okay, if he's not being received in tshuva, he's, he's trying to do tshuva, but if he's not being accepted, so he's going to go to idolatry. Rabbi Shubin Prachi said, do teshuvah. The student said, this I have received from you. Anybody who sins and encourages others to sin presents a stumbling block for the community. He's not afforded the opportunity to complete his tshuva. As the master said, again, this is removed by the censor, but it says in the Kisveyat, Yeshu Hanotri, Kishef Vehisis Vediach, Jesus the Nazarene, engaged in witchcraft and enticement and encouraging others to idolatry, Vehichti Es Yisrael, and caused the Jewish people to sin. Tanya Rabbi Shimon Alazar Omer, the Vibraisa, from Rabbi Shimon Alazar Omer, Yetzer Tinov Isha, concerning one's relationship to the Yetzer, inclination, drives, Tinok, a child, the Isha, and one's wife, to a small doche, Vimin Mekarevets, the left should push aside and the right should bring close. Again, as we saw, the balance uh, between creating distance and bringing close, the left, the weaker force, should be pushing away, and the stronger force should be bringing close. So apparently, although Bishub and Prachya had decided he was ready to accept Yeshu's Overture to Tshuva, but the forcefulness with which he pushed him aside seems to have been excessive and caused great sorrow, tragedy. Similar to Gehazi, we have the question, the teaching is true. He engaged in Causing others to stumble, the community stumbled at both Gehazi and Yeshua's hand. Nonetheless, we find, although the teaching is true, both Elisha and Rabbi Shubham Prachya are encouraging their students, their respective students, Gehazi and Yeshu, to do Teshuvah. What is the answer to their claim that they're not able to? 
both say correctly that they're not afforded the opportunity to do tshuva. So what's the, what's the answer? Why are both of the rebbeim over here, although unsuccessful, both are pushing for tshuva, both Elisha and Rabbi Shuvah and Prachya. The the Hezber, is that the full acceptance of tshuva may in fact be withheld. But that in no way reduces or mitigates the obligation of the mitzvah of tshuva. The mitzvah of tshuva is in place. There's no exemption just because he might not be entirely successful. It is not a binary prospect. Do teshuvah or don't do teshuvah. If you can't, don't bother. <clears throat> no. The mitzvah of teshuvah is there. The degree of success is variable. Whether he's given a siyat rishmaya to complete the teshuvah or not is irrelevant. He has a mitzvah to do teshuvah. He should not look at whether or not it will be accepted. Describing Yisrael Sha'avar Avarazara, which Gemara's presentation of both Echazi and Yeshu is appropriate, Ramam writes, Perk Beis, Halachahe, in Halachas Avarazara, Yisrael Sha'avar Avarazara, Harehu Kegoy, Lechol Dvarav, a Jew, an Israelite who commits idolatry is like an idolater, a Gentile idolater, for all purposes. And he's not like an Israelite who transgressed a sin that entails stoning, capital punishment. It's not just like that. It's worse. One who has committed himself to idolatry. He is considered estranged from the entire Torah. The minim are various groups that incorporate idolatry of various forms, even though they may be of Jewish ethnicity, extract, but they are not like Jews for any purposes. And they are not received in tshuva forever. Shanamar, as the verse states, All those who come will not return and not achieve the path of life. It does seem that the Meshumad Lavarazara is withheld from actually attaining the path of life in its entirety. But nonetheless, that's not an exemption from the mitzvah of tshuva. And they're certainly encouraged to do the mitzvah of tshuva, the degree of success that they'll achieve. That dafka will they be successful. It's not a tour in any way from the mitzvah. The Raman alludes to this Gemara, in Elchus Tshuva, multiple places, Perk Revi, 
he describes 24 various categories of sin that hold back tshuva, arrest tshuva. He categorizes them. He has five men chamishad varim hein no lindarki tshuva mipnei osen that the pathway of tshuva of return to God is closed before them if they engage in these five things. The fourth one is amavazarabosa, one who scorns his teachers, his masters, his rabbin. This causes them to push them aside and to cause them to be cast away from the world to come. The Ramam adds like Jesus and Gechazi. Both of them, Ramam says, were Mavazarabosov. They scorned their masters. And once they are pushed aside, they will not find one who can teach them and guide them on the path of truth. So therefore, they are Nolandarke Tshuva. The pathway of tshuva is held, is closed before them. Yeshu, where do we find that he was Mavazar Abosav? His Rebbe said that the hostess was beautiful, and by impugning to him a remark that had no place in the heart of Rabbi Shulman Prachya, he was engaging in a disrespectful attribution. That caused the sharpness to be pushed away with two hands, so to speak. And in the meantime, he got busy with establishing a brick for people to bow down to. Gechazi, where we find that he was Mavazes Rabosov. Gemara Sanhedrin, Tafkufam and Alec. Gemara brings, Gemara Ryogonan, with name Manenesh Gechazi. Why was Gechazi punished? Because he called his master by his name. Shenemar, as the verse states, Vayomar Gechazi, Adonia Melech, Zosa Isha Zebno. He said to the king, this is the woman and her son, Elisha, that was brought back to life by Elisha. And he just mentioned Elisha by name. Rashi says, Bishmo, Shomer Ploni. He just said, so-and-so, Elisha. Mori Rabbi Ploni. He didn't say, my master, my, my awe, Elisha. He should have said, with awe. So here we find that Gechazi did not treat his, his Rebbe with appropriate respect. 
Rabbi Yochanan says that is why he in fact was pushed aside, why he was punished. The Ramah mentions earlier in Pergimovich's tshuva in describing those that do not have a chilek in Olam Abba they share in the world to come. Machtiyeh Arabim those who cause the community to sin. Whether it be in a great matter, like Yeravam even if he causes community to sin in a light manner, even just negating them from fulfilling a positive command. Whether it is through coercion, like Menashe, he literally killed Jews until they worshipped idolatry. Or turns others in a soft manner of encouragement to sin, like Yeshu, friendly proselytizing. Wasn't killing anybody. At least not originally. And nonetheless, he's called Mahdi Rabbi. Over here, the Ramam does not mention Gehazi. Gemara has different versions of what Gehazi did. But in any event, the Ramam is trying to create a spectrum of Mahdi Rabbi, and Yeshu is the light end. He's not engaging in hmm. a, a strong coercion but just merely proselytizing, encouraging people to sin. Nonetheless, it's, it's, though, it's included in those that are not granted a chelik, chel- a share in the world to come. Machtiyei Arabim. The Gemara does present Gehazi as a member of the same category. <laughs> Depending on what he did, it's Machlokis. Uh, exactly how is Machtiyei Arabim. Gehazi did that also. It's, it's mashma that although there is a personal responsibility for the consequences, the Vazat Rabosov that both seem to engage in, the disrespect towards their respective teachers, was a contributing factor to their tragic loss and consequences for others as well. The Gemara here is presenting a fault in the teachers. That both teachers are called pushing away with two hands. Mm-hmm. The Rambam links the two. He doesn't mention pushing aside with two hands, but he does say that the one who's Mavazar Bosov is being pushed that because there's this disrespect for the teacher, they're pushed aside, as it were, with two hands. Not that that is 
the ideal response. But that's to be expected, and that is what happened. And the, the suffering consequence of the Mavazis Rabosov is that they are bereft of a path towards tshuva. As Simcha Wasserman said, this idea of small doch of Yemin Mekareves is not just at different times, but meant to present a Interestingly, he said, he said it's, it creates a, a balanced relationship. He says, by pushing with the left and bringing close in the right, if one would do that, he says it causes a spin. Hmm. Causes a spin. Where there is a flux that has a certain stability which is a delicate balance of how to relate to all of these elements that have the potential to be destructive, each one in its own way. There's a potential for fallout, there's a lack of full stability. And by being doche, besmol, and mekar biyamin, so one is entering into a relationship in a way that will ensure this stability. Rashi says, Yetzer, shel tashmish, tekreveno biyamin, shelo yokots bihirevya, tchein tinok, penivrach, viavid, esatzmo, viisha, afhi, daita kalo, vimi, dafua, tetil tabazro. All three are important and at risk, if you will. person's desires need to be utilized and channeled in the right way to fulfill mitzvahs. person has to do the mitzvah of Puravu. should not be pushed away, so to speak, with two hands. But a person has to be careful. A person should not become consumed, become enslaved to desire. Similarly, by a child, there's the risk. is pushed away too hard. could be destructive. The child could become despondent, depressed, and lost. And a woman as well, if she is pursued, if she is made to feel that she is being pursued, there's a risk that she will run away into a situation that she will perceive as better, even though it is a falsehood. She could get ensnared in evil, in unhealthy relationships that feel soothing to her, but are actually destructive. One has to be mindful dealing with all, all three to engage in this tactic, as it were. Te smoldocha v'yamin mekarevas. 
The left should push aside, but the right should bring close. Let's see the Mishnah. Nimtza haharig. If by Egla Rufa, the murderer is found, Ad Shalon Erfa Egla. If the murderer is found before the calf has its neck broken, it's part of the atonement process, it shall go forth, be released back to the flock, and this calf <coughs> shall not be prohibited. But from when its neck is broken, this calf has already been brought to the process of Egla Rufa, Tikavir, it shall be buried, Bimkoma, in its place. Sha'al Safek Basa, Mitrilasa. For its whole purpose from its inception was for atonement. Kipra, Sveka, Behalchala. It achieves atonement from the case of doubt. And goes forth. So if it if it had if the, if there is an atonement from the suffolk, so it it still must be buried in its place. Nefra if the calf has had its neck broken, and afterwards the murderer was found. The murderer is subject to capital punishment, even though there was atonement to a degree affected by the process of Egla Rufa, it does not atone for the murderer who is subject to capital punishment. The Tosas Yomtev on the Mishnah, Nimtza Hurig Ad Shelo Nerfa If the murderer was found prior to breaking the calf's neck, then it should go out and pasture with the flock. Pirish Rashi. Rashi explains on the Mishnah, This Tana holds that the prohibition restricting any benefit from the Egla Rufa does not depend on its going down to this Nahal Eson, this brook, at the site where they will break its neck, near the murder, near the site of the crime, but rather the actual breaking of the neck. The Rambam says the prohibition of deriving benefit from this calf begins earlier. As soon as it goes down to the location where its neck shall be broken, it already becomes prohibited. Nonetheless, the Ramah Paskins, that if they find the murderer, then the calf goes back to pasture with its flock and becomes permitted, no longer restricted. Since it was designated and restricted based on the situation of doubt, and there was an anticipation that they will find 
the murderer. And if they find the murderer, then it was never designated for Agla Rufa. There's a good likelihood that they will find the murderer. The various processes of this ritual of Egla Rufa will bring attention to the case and bring out a disclosure who the murderer actually is. Tagmiosan brings it on the Pasik, not necessarily just by virtue of the measuring and other facets, but on a segula type way that it will disclose, reveal who the murderer is. Certainly the intention is that they will find the murderer below Gamrimakdashi. Therefore they did not entirely designate it to be Eglarufa that will be prohibited. Adkan. So the Tosasyam brings it to Machlokas, Rashi, and Rama. What is the Machlokas? At what point the Eglarufa becomes prohibited to derive benefit? Is it from when it goes to Nachal Eson? That's the Ramam's position. Or is it only from when its neck gets broken? That's Rashi's position. Now really, the Tosasyam doesn't speak it out thoroughly, but the Machlokas is also rooted in a debate, is this itself a machlokas or not? The Gemara in Krisus, I say machlokas tanoi, machlokas tanoi, Gemara in Krisus presents these two opinions as a machlokas tanoi. When does the Egla Rufa become prohibited to derive benefit from it, this calf? Is it from when it goes down to Nachal Eson or from when its neck is broken? And therefore, there's a kasha, really, from the Gemara and Krishus on the Ramam. The Ramam is a pella. If you take a look, the Kesem Mishnah quotes it, it's Chubas Harashba, Mechelech Hei, Simen Tezayin, quotes it in its entirety, Shor Tshuva. Sha'alto, Lamidcha al-Divir Ramam. Rashba is responding to somebody who asked, to be stood up, how to understand the Ramam. She calls the good The Ramam writes in the tenth chapter of the laws of murder. From when it goes down, to this brook, strong water source. That is when it becomes prohibited to derive benefit. Ramam. A couple of laws later, writes, because of the imnimsa ha'horeg, ad shelote aref egla teitzevetira. If they find the murderer before breaking the cat's neck, it goes back to the flock, to the herd, and is no longer prohibited. Veneir and Rav kisos from zezet, and it appears that the Rama is contradicting himself. Ramban Kriyos says to Machlokas Tanoi, Shuva says the Rashba in response. Taftalurus, you've seen well. It's also a wonder in my eyes. 
These two Psakim and the Ramam are giving one bond to two to two owners. He's saying, you're right and you're right. And they can't both be right. It's a machlokas. So he says, you're asking a good question. I don't understand the Ramah. The plea of Christus, the Gemara Christus says, it's a machlokas. And I've struggled to understand what the Ramah is talking about. And I was not successful. But what can I say? Terrible. If I would have the Ravid argue, fine. So at least I could say, you know, Ramam got it wrong. Ravid tags him. Fine, could sleep at night. But this is terrible. The Ravid doesn't say a word. The Ravid doesn't say a word. That means he's on board. The Ravid gives a hasaga. Fine, then I, then I would be happy. But this is such a strong kasha, it bothers me that the Ravid doesn't say a word. So that is the end of the Chubas Rashba. He agrees with the questioner that it's a Pella, the Ramam writes. And he's disturbed that not only can't he figure out how to read the Ramam, but the Ravid doesn't, doesn't object. So he's really left in the cold, does not know what to say. Ma'omir, what could I say? So, my wife's grandfather, my Shver's father, he said, how do you prove that there's a Bariolam? What's the proof? He says, well, it's very straightforward. The Ramam says, in the beginning of Yad Chazaka, there is a creator, and the Ravid is not Masik. The Ravid doesn't argue, so obviously, must be. If there's no Ravid, it's Masik. So, then, obviously, that's correct. So, the Rashba throws up his hands, he doesn't understand. The Kesem Mishnah tries his hand. He says... In Halacha Vav, the first Halacha, Mishter L'Nachal Te'aser Banaya, Af Bishadayim Lo Nerefa. V'hu Pasuk L'Kamon, says the Kesed Mishnah, She'im Nimsa Ha'horeg, Ad Shelo Nerefa Ha'egla, Te'etzer Tirveda. The prohibition is not applicable if the murderer is found prior to breaking of the calf's neck. He quotes the Rashba, and to explain the Ramah, maybe the Ramah holds, maybe that which the Gemara asks as a kasha is not really a kasha. Maybe the egla is different, the calf is different. The daita shims ahurik lo akteshua. We go in milsa the hektish talsu. It's revealed that when they consecrated it for the purpose of this atonement, it was an error. Vavapi shatosus tirtsuzeh vamudus svarhi digamri makteshi. Tosus and chulin pebe says that there's a svara that they. When they are Maktish Tegla Rufa, they sanctify, consecrate for this purpose. They mean so to do so entirely. And they're not concerned with finding the murderer. They're not intending, expecting to find the murderer. The Ramam disagrees with that explanation. 
is so that the Talmud all the form my the Sakadaitra Gomorrah Makdish, the whole governor Asik, my the Asik, Masnisim Pligi, Svira, Uswara, the Eno, Nasesh Machayim, Lominon, the Adaita, Shimsa Hurig, Lo Akdishua, the Lo Maskeda Tayu, Shimsa Hurig, the Kesemishna is saying a Chiddush, that the Gomorrah is all working within a presumption that is actually not Lahalacha. And the truth is that really the presumption is that they are anticipating, anticipating the finding of the murderer, and therefore it is a hektish al-tanai, basically. So therefore, even though it's prohibited right away, if they find the murderer, then it's a gilui that it never was prohibited. And it goes back. Yeah, that we saw quoted in the Tosos Yom Tov, which is a chiddush. It's a very big chiddush in terms of how to go through the Gemara. It's, it's leaning heavily. Rashi doesn't want to say such a thing. It's leaning very heavily on marginalizing Gemara. That mechatesi, mechatesi. Where are you coming from to marginalize the Gemara? The Orchoner has a different mahalach. He wants to present it as a machlokis, the tosus that is quoted is in Chulun Pebez. And although the Ramam is against the Gemara and Krisos, the says that there's really a machlokis between the Gemara and Krisos and the Gemara and Chulun. And the, the way he learns, Shapir Pasagaramam Kistan Gemara de Chulun. Different mahalach. Unlike the Mahalach of the Kesmishnah, that really there's no Gemara, so to speak, supporting the Rambam, just he wants to say the Gemara is working, not a Libda Hilchasa. So he says, say that the Gemara Chulin, the Stam Havana of the Gemara Chulin, is against the Gemara Krisos, and the Rambam is going like the Gemara in Chulin. That's, that's his Mahalach. So if the process of Eglarufa took place, the fact that they found the murderer prior to burial of the calf does not mean that they're not required to continue the process to treat it as an Eglarufa. It achieved its purpose of bringing kapara for the suffix, atonement for the death, once it was brought and had its neck broken when there was still a death. But the requirement of atonement for the murderer is not mitigated and he must be brought to justice if it be by capital punishment if there are adequate proofs to that so the Eglarufa does not atone for him. If one witness said, I have seen the murderer and one witness says, you have not seen the murderer one woman says she has seen the murderer, and one woman says you have not seen the murderer. How you orphan? They would do Agla Rufa. If one witness says, I have seen the murderer, and two witnesses say, You have not seen. How you orphan? They would 
go through with the process of Egla Rufa, breaking the calf's neck. Shnai Momrim Ra'inu. If two say, two witnesses say, we have seen the murderer, the Echar Omer Lahem, Lower Isam, and one says, you two witnesses have not seen, Loha Yorf, then they would not proceed with the Egla Rufa ceremony. Mishrabu Harod when there was an increase in murderers, the process of Eglarufa was nullified. This atonement, or a case of doubt, a murder of doubt, was abandoned, nullified. Mishabah Eliezer ben Dinai, once Eliezer, the son of Dinai, came, Betachina ben Perisha, and Tchina, the son of Perisha, Hayan Nikra, he was called. They ultimately called him son of the murderer. The Tzipar Sisrael speaks out the progression here. It's one person. Nearly, Originally, he's called Ben Dinai, the one who engages in judgment, because he was very judgmental, get into fights with people on any small matter. And that's the nickname he acquired for himself. Then he got worse. Even without pretext, he would just start fighting with people. The Karo Ben Prisha. They called him the one who should be separated from. Stay away from this guy. You see him in a dark alley, run away. Then he got even worse. To kill. And then they called him the murderer. Ben Ben Abakar. Like bar mitzvah, one of his mitzvahs, the, the murderer. <laughs> so, this guy was a famous murderer, and going to it's very central. The Mishnah is describing the arc of his career. Mishirabu hmm. Hamenafim, in a similar vein, with the proliferation of philanderers, Pasko Hamayim Hamarim, the bitter waters. Seized. The method of discerning the fidelity and restoring a wife to her husband was no longer an option. Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai, if Sikon. Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai was the one to stop them. Shinemar, as the verse says, Lo Efkod Albano Sechem, Kis is Neno, Valkolo Sechem, Kis Nathano. Kihem Vigomer. The Pasuk says, Kihem Imazonos Yiforedu, Vimakdeshos Yizabehu, Vomlo Yovin Ilovit. Pasuk in Hoshea. That implies that there will not be a judgment on these daughters and daughters in law because of the sins of these men.
So Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai understood that this vehicle of Maim Hamarim to restore the wife to her husband, to dispel the doubts, was to be removed from the Jewish people. The Bach takes out Yehuda. Batlo Ashkolos. From the death of Yosef ben Yezer, Ish Tzreda and Yosef ben Ish Yushalayim, there was a loss of Ashkolos. Rashi says, Mefarsh Bigmara, Shakol ben, everything is within them. Ad Yemehen, Lo Haimach Lokes. Bechach Misrael. Kulan Haya Omrim, Dvarim. Kinesinasan, Lamoshem, Misina. There was nothing lacking in the sages of Israel. All of them set over precisely as it was given to Moshe from Sinai. Mm-hmm. This was the first fissure within Halacha, Machlokas, about what the Torah says, what was the tradition from Sinai, the very first one. Do you need to do smicha with Karbanos and Yom Tov, as is mentioned in Chagiga, Dapta Zayin, Uwe Machlokas Rishon, Shabi Yisrael, there would be other disputes, but within the framework of Torah, there was a pristine continuity up until this point. That's called Eshkolos Isha Kolbo. They had everything. And at that point, it was lost. Shneamar, in Eshkol, Lechol Bikura, Avsa Nafshi. Ivsa Nafshi. There's no cluster to eat from its first fruits that my soul has desired. Rabbi Yochanan Kain Gadol, Hevir Hodayas Meiser, Yochanan Kain Gadol, pushed aside the expression of Hodayas Meiser, Hodayas Meiser, by the tithe. Afu Bittel Es Hamarin, he also negated those who woke up, literally, who aroused. More talks about that later. Rashi says, Hevir Adayas Meiser, Shelo Yiu Mizvadin Biate Kodesh Nabayas Begmar Farish Taimo. He took away the Vidu Meiser. Stopped saying Vidu Meiser, that person announced that he has fulfilled the requirements, the agricultural tithes. And the Ma'urin. Others take out, the, they take out time, just mefarish, what it means. And nokfin, those that were banging with hammers. Ad Yomov Haya Patish Makim Until his days, there was a hammer blowing in Jerusalem. As she says, by the smiths, the Cholashalmoid, during the intermediate days of the festival. To engage in the Labor, necessary. But if it wouldn't be done now, it would be lost. Shemuteras b'moid. It's permitted during the intermediate days. He made a decree against the smiths. Since the sound of their banging could be heard from far away, and not everybody knew that it was for a purpose of something that if they don't do it now, it will be lost. 
So he made a decree to stop this public work on Cholamoid. This is mentioned in Moed Katan. Yom of Eintzach Lishal Admai. And in his days, there was no need to inquire concerning Demai. Rashi's Girsa is Kol Yom All of his days. Im Musa Imlap. There was no need to inquire, was this produce tithed or not? Shuhiskin Shu Kol Alokhin Me'ama Aretz Ma'asrin. He enacted the requirement of being mafresh d'mai from anybody who purchased from an amharetz, so that it became uh, an accepted practice that people would tithe again on the chance, the minority chance, that amharetzim would not have been mafresh, the ignoramuses, not always do it properly, although most of them did do it properly, and this reduced the concern and the need for investigation. Let's see the Gemara. Tana Rabbana. Minayin she'im nerfa ha'egla v'achachat nimsa ha'harig From where do we know that if the calf had its neck broken and then the murderer was found, she'ein poteres also, that it does not exempt him, the murderer. Tama Lomar, as the first states, this is the proof that he still gets his just desserts. V'la'aretz lo yechupar l'adom asher shufach ba the land shall not be atoned for the blood that was spilled other than with the blood of the one who spilled it. The murderer needs to be brought to justice. One witness says, I've seen the murderer, etc. The reason is because there is a contradiction of accounts. But if there is no alternate view of what happened, no one who's contradicting the account, then one witness will be believed. And if he's believed that he has seen the murderer, then there's no need for the process, the ritual of the Egla Rufa. How do we know these words? The As the stage is taught, it is not known who has struck this corpse. But if it is known who has struck this blow to murder, even if it's one person in the end of the world, world, they would not do Agla Rufa. In order, in order to do Agla Rufa, it has to be that we just don't know who is the murderer other than the murderer himself, but nobody else is present. If we know that there is somebody who is aware, then we do not engage in this ritual of Agla Rufa. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Menayin Lesanhedrin, Shero Echad, Shahargas and Efesh. Rabbi Akiva said, Where do we derive that the Sanhedrin that sees a murder? But they don't know who the murderer is. It's a masked murderer. Shalohayarfin, that they would not engage in the Egla Rufa. Tamalomar, And our eyes have not seen. And behold, in this case, their eyes have seen a murder. They've seen the murderer. He's just masked. They don't know who it is. So the fact that they've seen it is enough to prevent the process of Egla Rufa. Now that we've asserted that one witness is believed, So in the Mishnah we saw that a second single witness comes and contradicts the testimony of the first. 
how could that be valid? Va'amar Ula. And Ula stated, Komakum, Shemina Tzara eight Echad. In every, every place where the Torah believes one witness, Harei Kan Shnaim. It is viewed as two. Vein Dvarav Shel Echad Makam Shnaim. And there is no substantial weight of one witness against two witnesses. Two witnesses is the gold standard. Amlacha Ula. So Ula said as an answer, Tani Lohoi Arfin. He says, amend the Mishnah. Don't say that they will nonetheless do Egla Rufa. No, they would not do Egla Rufa. Because, in fact, the Torah believed the first witness. And the second single witness who comes to contradict is discarded. So, don't say that we, we don't know, we haven't seen. And it's a doubt, do the Egla Rufa. No, Ula says, the Torah believes one witness. And no, Arifa, amend the Mishnah. So said Rabbi Yitzchak as well. And then the Mishnah say they would not do Eglarufa in such a case. Rabbi Chia said, no, keep the Mishnah as we have it, that they would engage in the, the ritual of Eglarufa. And according to Rabbi Chia, the challenge of Ula is not a challenge. Meaning that the challenge was, when the Torah believes it, as one witness says two, so the next witness is not considered substantial, it's not considered a hakhasha. Why is it not a problem? It depends on how this testimony came about. If it was if one witness came contemporaneously with another witness, and one says, I saw who killed this poor fellow, and the other says, no, you didn't. So if it's together, then there is hakhasha, it is contravened and viewed as a straight suffix. But if it's zecharzeh, if it's one after the other, and the one witness came, and his testimony was accepted, and then another witness came and said, no, you didn't really see, so then the second witness is discarded. So that's why Rabbi Chia says the Mishnah is not to be amended, keep it as it is, and it depends on how these witnesses are brought, if it's together or one after the other. Tnan eid echad omer we have, the Mishnah says, one says, I saw the murderer, and two said, you have not seen the murderer. They would engage in the ritual of breaking the cat's neck. But if it would be, the implication is, one against one, then they would not engage in the uh, ritual of Egla Rufa. This seems to be a knockout against Rebbechia, who says, don't change the Mishnah. There seems to be an internal contradiction if you retain the Girsa that Rebbechia has. And according to your reasoning, if you think it's a problem, what do you do with the conclusion of the Mishnah? Two said we have seen the murderer. And one it says, you two have not seen the murderer. They would not engage in the Egla Rufa ritual. Ha, the implication is, that if it was one against one, you would engage in the Egla Arufa ritual. Rather, in order to avoid this contradiction, understand the Mishnah is talking about witnesses who are not kosher, not true kosher witnesses. And in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Nechemia, who said, in every place that the Torah believed one witness, 
Go after the majority of opinions, meaning follow the majority of the witnesses. And they established two women against one man, like two men against one man. So when you're dealing with non-kosher witnesses, then you just go after the majority. V'ikadamri, an alternate version of Rabbi Nechemia, kol heicha de'osa erechad, any place where one witness comes, kosher, who is a kosher witness, valid for testimony, mekara, initially, afila me'a noshim, even a hundred women were not eligible for classic testimony, they are like one, meaning we don't say go after Robdeus, the majority. What's the case we're describing over here? Kigon, Dasai Isha, Mekara. Cases that one woman came first and she said that she saw the murder. And then we'll say go after Robdeus. And you'll explain the words of Rabnechemia. As follows, in every place that the Torah believed eight achad, one witness, go after the majority, and they considered two women against one woman, like two men against one man. But two women against one man, who would be kosher witness, Kipalga upalga is like half against half, dummy. Meaning it's like a deadlock, gridlock. Okay, so that's a, a variation of Rabbi Nechemia. In the Ikeda Amri, another way of understanding how there's no internal contradiction in the Mishnah, maintaining Rabbi Chia's version, the version we have of the Mishnah. Way of Paskin. Why do we need two descriptions in the Mishnah of Psule Edus, of invalid witnesses? I would have thought that when we go after the majority of non-kosher witnesses, that is only as a stringency, but not as a leniency, meaning as a stringency, but not a leniency, Kamashmalan comes to tell you, you know, either way, whether the testimony is that we have seen or we have not seen, either way, you have to the majority, whether it leads to a stringency or a leniency. That's why it's said twice. Misharabo Harotsin. Once there was an increase in murderers. Khulu. Tanarabanan, sages taught, Misharabo Haratzchanin, Batla Eglarufa. Our sages taught, once there was a proliferation of murderers, the Eglarufa. This ritual of breaking the cat's neck as an atonement for the unsolved murder, unknown murder, was negated. Because it only comes for a doubt. But once there were known murderers, like we described in the Mishnah, that he had a reputation as a murderer, this fellow, so there is a suspicion cast upon him. It's not a simple doubt. We have no idea who murdered. We suspect that we know there's a murderer. In such a case, we already will no longer have the process of Egla Rufa. Mishraba Noafin, with the proliferation of philanderers, Chulu, Tanrabanam, the sages taught, 
and the man will be cleared of sin. When the man is innocent of his own sin, then the bitter waters will check his wife to determine whether she is innocent or not. But if the man is not innocent, the waters will not check his wife. As the verse stated, we saw the Mishnah quoting, my ve'omer, what does it mean to say and say in the verse? in Will you say that his own sin, yes, is subject to punishment, but the sin, the sins of his sons and daughters not? Tashma, come in here. I will not visit upon your daughters. And uh, on your daughters when they uh, engage in licentiousness or your daughters-in-laws if they engage in philandering. And if you would say that in order to have the waters not be effective, the man needs to sin specifically by violating the prohibition of adultery, that's when he's no, no longer eligible to have the waters check his wife. But other sins, no. Therefore, you see from this verse that other sins, any type of lack of fidelity would be adequate to, sinful infidelity will be adequate to disqualify the waters from checking uh, whether his wife was innocent or not. Toshma, come in here. Ki'at. The Pasuk says the same verse. Kiheim im hazonos ifaredu, veim hakadeshos yizabechu, vegomer, veam lo yovim yilovet. My veam lo yovim yilovet. What is the conclusion of the verse? When they they go engage in licentiousness, setting setting themselves aside with harlots or those who are designated for uh, idolatrous harlotry will the nation that not understand be struck that they certainly will be Omar Rabbi Lazar Omar Lehem Novi Yisrael the prophet says to the Jewish people if you are careful on yourselves, then the waters will check your wives. But if not, if you yourself are guilty, then the waters will not check your wives. So that's the fulfillment of them being struck, is that they, if they are engaging in licentiousness themselves, then the waters will not check their wives. Describing the disintegration of society at large. Continuing on the theme of the Mishnah, from the increase of Balihana, those who pursue uh, their own enjoyment. Judgment was 
made crooked, and the deeds became corrupted. The and there is no rest in the world, no tranquility in the world. Once there was an increase in those that show favor in judgment, Bato Losaguru, there is a negation of the fulfillment of the prohibition that you shall not, as a judge, be afraid of any strong person. The judge must be fearless in administering judgment. Pasak Losakiru, and there is a negation of the prohibition that you shall not show favor and not recognize one litigant over the other. Uparko al and there is a general lack of acceptance of the yoke of heaven. There is lawlessness. And they accepted upon themselves the yoke of flesh and blood. Once there was the proliferation of those that whisper, bidin, and judgment. Rashi says, Lawyers. Arguing the cases. It's not really a kosher profession from the Torah's perspective. Mm-hmm. There was an increase in divine anger against the Jewish people. And there was a departing of the divine presence. As the verse states, In the midst of the judges shall he judge. But if there is no judgment, so then there's a departure of the divine presence. Misharabo. So once there's a proliferation of Achre, Vitzam, Libam Holech, after their heart's desire, did they go, meaning to achieve some reward? Rabo Omrim, there was an increase in those who stated, that that which is evil is good and that which is good is evil. They were looking for their fix, whatever they wanted to achieve, so they could distort and say evil is good and good is evil. Once that happened, that there was a proliferation of those who said that evil was good and good was evil, there was an increase in people saying woe, woe in the world, meaning the tragedies. Misharabu Moshe. Moshe Harok, Rabu, Ayahirim. Once there was an increase in those who draw forth their spit. Interesting description. Hmm. As she says, Moshe Harok, Marichin Harok, Umidas Gaibu. This is an expression of haughtiness. So there's an increase in those that were haughty. And the consequence of more people that were pompous was a, a diminishment of the student of the Torah. And the Torah would be searching for students. And once there was an increase in those that were haughty, it became popular that the Jewish girls would want to marry them. That our generation only sees superficially. 
So they would see these people are walking around very proud, and they'd say, oh, that's, that looks like a good shidduch. And it caused further impairment. There was a, a greater acceptance of, of these inferior qualities that, that became actually desirable. Any, is that really true? Of Amar Mar, didn't the Master teach? Hi, man, a person who is haughty, afilu, a'inche, beise, lamakobal. He's not accepted even by his own family. Shnema, as it says, Pasuk in Chavakuk, Gever, Yohir, Velo, Yinver, a man who is haughty and will not be beautiful, Lo, Yinver, Afil, Beneve, Shelo, he will not be recognized even in his own home. So how does that work? We're saying over here that it became fashionable. The girls wanted to marry a guy who's haughty. Mikara kafsale. Originally, she jumps to marry him. Asof mitzalai. But in the end, she scorns him. Meaning that the, the Pasuk is speaking about the later consequences of his haughtiness. Mishirabo matile malai. Abalibatim. And there was an increase in judges. As she speaks out. Matile malai. They would place their business affairs on the Balabatim. They know business. So the judges would, would uh, conscript them, so to speak, to manage their affairs. This increased the bribery and the twisting, the, the turning aside of judgment. Pasca tovo, and goodness ceased. Mishrabo, kavlani tovascha. Marzikeni, tovosech. Rabo, ish hayasha be'en avyase. Once there was an increase in those who accepted the uh, the rewards uh, of uh, gifts. And those that that uh, repaid favors in, in judgment. So if there is uh, back scratching, so to speak, so then Rabu there was an increase in lawlessness where each person did what they thought to, was fit, and there is a lack of concern of judicial response. Shvelim hugvo, those that were lowly were made high. Vegvoim hushpulu, and those that really were of high caliber were made low. Umalchusa Azla Benovla. And the king the kingdom, government, the monarchy, went forth and became degraded. As she says, Misnaveles became lowly. Once there was a proliferation of those who were stingy and those that were Grabbing aggressively. There was a subsequent increase in those that were of heart and heart and those that would hold their fists tight and not lend out. And they would transgress that which is written in the Torah. Guard yourself lest you become like a lawless person, to not lend when the Torah says to lend in those circumstances.
Mishrabo Natias Garon, once there was an increase, proliferation of the outstretched throat, which is a description of how to walk in a way that's less than commendable. Yan Kigavu Gnostion Vatelachno Netuyos Garon. They would go forth with these outstretched necks. Umisakra Sinaim with the eyeshadow on their eyes. Rabo Maimar, this caused a proliferation of the bitter waters being administered. The ladies were going out in a way that was pritzus. It was uh, attention-grabbing, so it caused a proliferation of suspicion and administering of the bitter waters. Elisha Paschal, but ultimately that too was stopped, as we saw. And it was uh, a proliferation of menafim, of philanderers. Mishirabo mekabli matanos, nismato hayomim, neskatsru hashanim. When there was an increase in those who accepted gifts, put themselves on the dole, then there was a shortening of life, lifespan, days and years. As is written, and one who hates gifts shall live, not dependent on others. And when there was an increase, a proliferation of those who were full of themselves, boastful of heart, there was an increase in Dispute among Israel. When there was an increase in students of Shammai and Hillel that did not learn from their masters all that was necessary, there was a proliferation of further discord within the Jewish people. And the Torah was as though there were two Torahs. When there was an increase in Receiving of charity from idolaters, how Yisrael lemala v'hem lamato, euphemistically the Jews were above and they were below, Yisrael afnim v'hem lachar and the Jews in front and they were behind. Again, euphemistically, really it was just the opposite. Receiving handouts from idolaters causes the Jewish people to be lowered and to to be behind. As we saw in Rashi earlier. The man that has everything, the man that has the entire Maseras from Moshe to Sin, from that Moshe received from Sinai, in its entirety, that was the uh, the time frame until Yosef and Yosef, when there's a breakdown in the 